Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. When I was uh, a teenager, uh, I was uh, known on occasion to perhaps be a, a little bit grumpy. And of course, I'm never grumpy anymore. I'm nothing uh, but a delight. You could ask my wife, I'm sure she'd say exactly the same thing. But back when I was grumpy, um, nothing would make me more frustrated. Nothing would wind me up more uh, than when I was in a, in a bad mood uh, and someone would point out to me the fact that I was in a bad mood. You know, when I was having a bit of a huff and someone would tell me uh, that I was clearly grumpy. Nothing would dial my grumpiness up to 11 like that. But what would really get me, what would really rile me up is if someone actually had the audacity to say to me, John, don't be grumpy. Stop being in such a bad mood. And that would be it. You know, it's game over. Grumpiness would be off the charts at that point. You would have guaranteed grumpiness for the foreseeable future. And I wonder if you're the same, if you kind of hate that sort of thing as well. Maybe you have your own example. You get so frustrated you know, when you're feeling something and someone comes up to you and says, oh, don't be sad. Don't be so excited. Don't be so angry. You know, whatever it is for you, do you have that, that thing which when you're feeling it, you just you can't help but feel it. And it just winds you up when someone comes and tells you to do otherwise. I hate it. I hate it when people say that to me, which is why I find this command that we see in Isaiah 41 from God himself so strange. Because we read in this passage, didn't we, time and time again, God saying, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. What good is that? What are we to do with this sort of command? What were Israel to do when they first heard it? Because by all accounts, Israel had every good reason to be afraid. You see, at the time uh, that Isaiah, the prophet, was writing this prophecy, he was declaring this to God's people, Israel were, were staring down the two great superpowers of their day, Persia and Babylon. And these two great superpowers were about to go to war with one another right on Israel's doorstep. And so Israel were understandably afraid of getting caught in the middle of this conflict, it was a time in, in the history of Israel of, of real instability. It was a time of fear for God's people. It was a time where they had no certainty about what the future held for them. You know, and I just wonder if that description of life for Israel might just feel a little bit familiar. A time of instability of uncertainty, of fear. Maybe that describes some of our experiences as we connect together this morning. And because we are living in uncertain times, aren't we? 
Even before COVID came along and and changed everything about our lives uh, all those months ago, even before that, our world and 2020 were both looking pretty wild. Things seemed pretty out of control, pretty uncertain, pretty unstable. And these last few months have just kind of taken that into the stratosphere. We don't know the way out of this situation we find ourselves in. We don't really know what 2021 will look like. And many of us don't know what the future holds for our jobs, for our families, for our ways of life. Things are uncertain and unstable. There's reason, it seems, for us to be afraid. And into this situation, God says to us, as he said to Israel through the prophet Isaiah, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. How? What do you mean? How are you saying that? What are we meant to do with a command like this? A command that famously appears throughout the Bible hundreds of times. Well, I want to suggest to you this morning that a command like that, an instruction like that, is only any good to us if the person who is giving it has any power within themselves to help us follow through on the command. It's only any good to hear something like that if the person who's saying it can help us get to where they want us to be. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God can do that. He can get us to where he wants us to be. He has the power to see us follow through on this instruction not to be afraid. And we see that in this passage, I want to suggest, in three ways that I'd love to unpack together. Because in Isaiah 41, we see that we can be fearless because God is present with us. Because God protects us. And because God will provide for us. God is present, God protects, and God provides. Let's unpack those three together. And let's start off with God is present. God is present, God is with us. And so we don't need to be afraid. Look with me at verses 10 and 13 and 14. I'm just gonna skim through some of that. It says this. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, for I myself will help you. Uh, When I was little, uh, I uh, remember how often I would be the first person in uh, the family house to wake up on on a Saturday morning. And I'd be excited and ready to rush downstairs and watch uh, whatever TV program I was watching uh, at the time. But, but very often I'd find myself sitting at the top of the stairs, too scared to go down. You know, it would be uh, uncertain and, and dark and I'd be nervous about what I'd find if I went down there on my own. And so I'd often spend the beginning of my Saturday morning sitting at the top of my stairs outside my brother's door, waiting for him to wake up. Uh, so that he would come downstairs with me. You know, nothing changed about the downstairs as far as I could tell, but when my brother was with me, I had the confidence to go 
where I didn't before. I didn't feel scared anymore. It makes a difference who's with us, doesn't it? And, and Isaiah tells us that when we face the dark, when we're afraid of the unknown, God is with us. And we don't have to sit there waiting. God is always with us. He takes hold of our hand, Isaiah says, and he helps us. And you know, it would be really easy to just rush past this point, but I just want to slow down for a moment and say that again. And I want you to really hear these words because God is with you. God is with you. We're told that time and time again throughout Isaiah, throughout the Bible, as we head into this Christmas season, it's going to be a really prominent part of the story that we remember and celebrate when we're reminded that Jesus comes and we're told that he is Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, this is a really common part of our Christian story. It's a foundational reality of what we believe. And, and because, we, because it's so important, we, we say it time and time again. It, it appears over and over again as we read the Bible. And as a result, I think it becomes uh, offhanded to us. We forget it. We, we don't pay attention to those words when we hear them. We become numb to them. But I just want us to hear afresh, if we can, the truth that those words point to. This incredible reality, this insane reality that God is with us. In fact, let me personalize it for you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've put your trust in God, if you're in the family of God, then the Lord God the creator of the heavens and earth, the author of our salvation, the God who has redeemed us is currently and actually with you. This isn't a metaphor. God is literally with you. And that truth is not determined by your circumstances. It's not limited by your performance it's not indicated by your feelings, whether you're flying, low, flying high or in the lowest pit you've been in for a long time. Regardless of whether you feel it or not, God is with you. He's by your side. He's got your back. He's in your heart. God is with you. God is with you so we don't need to be afraid, Isaiah says. And the God who is present is not just there and passive. The God who is present is the God who will protect you. Let's look at verses 11 and 12. It says this. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. Isaiah assures Israel that God is going to deal with their enemies. But I love the strength with which he puts it. 
Because he doesn't just say that God's going to keep your enemies at bay. He doesn't even just say that God's going to defeat them or, or remove them from view. Now Isaiah tells us that God is going to utterly do away with Israel's enemies. You know, it will be as if they had never been there at all in the first place. And there will be no chance of them returning again to cause problems. Uh, a moment of confession uh, for you. I wonder if you're anything like my wife uh, and I, because being totally honest, if, if you ever come uh, around our house once uh, that's possible again, sometimes before you arrive, uh, our house will be in a more disordered state than perhaps we would want it to have been. And so what we'll do is we'll take all of the mess that we think shouldn't be there and we'll move it into one room uh, and lock it away behind a closed door as if it was never there and close up so that you can't see it. And then it will look like everything is sorted. You'll come round and you'll think everything's neat and tidy and just as it should be. But unbeknownst to you, behind that door, which we won't let you open, will be all the mess that we'd hidden away and tried to, uh, to hide and conceal. Uh, but eventually, we'll need to open that door up again, bring it out, and deal with all the stuff we had tried to hide. And often I think that's how we deal with our problems, you know, we just try and hide them away and forget about them and eventually they'll come back to bother us. But, but Isaiah tells us that isn't what God does when he deals with our enemies, when he deals with our mess, when he deals with our problems. He doesn't just hide them away, but he utterly removes them. He completely deals with them. He destroys those enemies so that they'll never come back again to haunt us. But, but and listen to me on this, because this is really important. That doesn't mean God's people don't have enemies. It doesn't mean that they don't have problems. It doesn't mean that they won't face struggles. Because you see, when Isaiah was talking about the promise of God with us, he was talking in the present tense. You know, he was saying right now, the reality is that God is with you. But when he talks about God's protection when he talks about God dealing with and destroying Israel's enemies, he's talking about the future. He's pointing to something that, that Israel can hope in. You know, God's decisive action is certain and assured, but it is in the future. And for the time being, Israel had to trust. They had to trust that God would protect them, but in the time being, enemies were still all around them. And it's the same for us. God's promise of protection doesn't mean that we won't face enemies, trials, and difficulties. You know, don't we just know that? You know, if you're a Christian, you'll know that when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, all your problems didn't just magically disappear. But if you're a Christian, you do have hope. You do have a hope for the future. We know that one day, whether that day is distant or close, God is going to do everything necessary to utterly deal with those things that Isaiah describes as, as raging, opposing, waging war against us. Sin, death, powers and principalities, sorrow, temptation, 
Isaiah says those things will be gone. That hope is certain. But it is in the future. God is present with us. God will protect us. And finally, God will provide for us. Let's look at verses 18 and 19. Isaiah says this, I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valley. I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs. I will put in the desert the cedar and the acacia, the myrtle and the olive. I will set junipers in the wasteland, the fir and the cypress together. And Isaiah uses this, this beautiful imagery this wonderful picture of Israel's situation. He says it's like they're lost in a desert. They're in a barren and dry wasteland, but even into that desolate and empty place, God is going to cause springs of fresh water to burst out for them. He's going to make sure that they have everything they need to drink, to be sustained, to keep on going, and then he's going to provide for them crops that will not only sustain them, but will give them abundance, abundant wealth, valuable crops, even in the place of desolation. And this picture is, is quite remarkable because I think what it reminds us is that God can even turn the loneliest wilderness, the most desperate situation, he can even turn the place of death into life giving abundant lands of blessing. You know, I don't know what particular challenges uh, you might be going through at the moment. I do know that in our church family, uh, there are all sorts of people facing all sorts of horrible, challenging, difficult, painful things. And whether that's not your specific story, I do know that we're all facing this time of COVID with all the pain and uncertainty and instability and fear that comes with that. We all, to a lesser or greater degree, find ourselves in a wilderness, find ourselves in the desert. And into those situations, the situations we find ourselves...